0: Hi there, wanted to let all of you know that this podcast is brought to you in collaboration with Stoke, the world's first award-winning shatterproof glass that you can bring on the go. If you're looking for a cup that you can keep your beverages hot or cold for a long period of time, or a cup that you can use to help to reduce single-use plastic or paper cups whenever you are on the go, this cup is for you. Orderless, stainless, and most importantly, beautiful aesthetically. So if you want to check them out, check out their website at stoke.com and use the promo code COACH CARFE to get 10% off your purchase. Lower the lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you keep yeah. can tell me to stop Hi everyone, I am Coach Crafe and welcome to the Life Insider Show where we dive deep into the heads and hearts of highly successful people to discover how they get to where they are today so that you can learn and shortcut your way to success. If you haven't, please subscribe to the Life Insider Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel to get notified as soon as the episode goes live. Our guest today, it's really, really passionate about what she do and she has had his career in the entertainment industry after a major switch from the financial industry. She was also a national golfer and she has trained with the Malaysian national golf team. And she's, she was the first runner up of Miss Universe Malaysia 2013. And obviously she didn't stop there. She took up the path to venture into hosting, acting and singing. And she has had the opportunity to become the standing in the movie with Chris Hemsworth. For some of you who don't know Chris Hemsworth, he is Thor in the movie "Avengers," <laughs> and with Wang Lee home as well. Now, ladies and gentlemen, she is someone that I, I believe has a lot to share, and I believe that her challenges and things that she, that she has gone through has a lot of small little nuggets of wisdoms that we can all practice and learn in our life. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Natalia. Hi Natalia. Ooh,
1: hi, what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I, I've been living on this earth for like a thousand years doing all that.
0: <laughs> and obviously we can all see you're, you know, still young.
1: Uh, thanks. It's um the secret youth serum. I no, I don't. <laughs> Good genes. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, thank you so much
0: for being here and thank you so much for taking time off uh, to be on this show. Now Nanda Natalia, why don't we start off really casually? Can you share a little bit with us about you know about yourself, about what you're currently up to in terms of you know your life in general, maybe your your, your business, your career, some of the passion projects that you're working on? What's something exciting that you're working on?
1: Okay, so I'm actually working on pretty exciting things since last year. I've been traveling to l a um, into Hollywood, like a couple of times to meet some producers. Um, so last year, I went to Hong Kong Film Mart, and that opened my eyes to the film industry a lot. Like I've been doing, I did film in Singapore and TV, film and TV in Singapore. So I've been kind of uh, dabbling in that for the past couple of years. And then I, I did a few series and a few, a, few, uh, a movie and a few, a couple of about four series, and then I was like, "Oh, the film is very interesting. It's a great venue to tell stories because, you know, I, I would say I'm very, I like to express and tell stories through art, and my form of art is usually music because that's what I chose to, to um, first produce was music and music videos." Um, but I, for me, my love was always in film. I mean, we all love movies. We love watching shows, good content and all that stuff. And film, for me, is one of the highest quality of content that we can enjoy for a very long period of time. You know what I mean? Like, it, it can transcend through time. It's my yeah. my thinking anyway. So um, last year, I went to Hong Kong Film Art, and I actually... Um, met a couple of producers, and I didn't realize that because I I love writing and I I had experience in production because I I produced all my music videos together with my manager, so I didn't realize that I had the tools and the capabilities of actually writing and making my own series or movie. And well, I was great yet, but it was an idea. And then I soft pitched it to a couple of producers, and that got picked up. So I was working wow. on it for the whole of last year, traveling back and forth LA, um, running through my ideas. I've had, I've had, I have more than a few. It's honestly the first time I'm actually saying this um, in public because obviously I didn't want to talk about it because it's something that I want to keep. Um, Before anything goes out, I want to make sure that it's a sure thing. Uh, But thanks to the virus and the pandemic, everything is just on hold. Everything, everything's just stopped. So I can't pursue it any further at the moment because the whole industry is on pause. And even thinking about producing something new and that big of a budget is a huge challenge. So I'm putting that at the moment on like just at the back burner for a second and just like we'll we'll see what happens to that. but meanwhile while that's just kind of brewing at the back i'm still continuing uh, my work with um <clears throat> uh, all these brands that i've been working with um in fashion and also in golf So I'm still working with Adidas Golf. I'm actually supposed to host a golf show that is actually due to have been uh, finished production by now and releasing in June, but well, you know, we haven't even started. So we're going to probably start production in June. So there will be a golf show that I'll be hosting as well. So... That's a uh, few of the things, my projects that I was supposed to do, uh, a TV series in Singapore as well, also all on hold. Wow. So it's been a bit of a tough um, tough kind of like punch in the gut for, for like, I guess, everyone in, you know, everyone's being infected, uh, some worse than others. Um, the one thing I have to say, though, is that finally artists like us can tell the rest of the world, hey guys, this is how it feels like to have no idea what the frick to, to, you know, like we can't expect what's gonna happen in the future. Welcome to our world. This is how an artist feels like every freaking day. Wow. And finally, The professionals all can understand how we feel because we don't know what's gonna happen in the next few months. We don't know if our projects are gonna take off, take flight. We have no idea. We're just gonna do what we we wanna do, do what we meant to do, work hard at it, try to produce the best quality content that we can and just hope for the best, right? So um, we actually, I just feel like a lot of people have been, you know, complaining that they don't know what the future holds. And a lot of us artists are just kind of like sitting and doodling out terms like, yeah, you know what? This feels the same as any other day.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's an interesting insight into the, into the industry, into the entertainment industry. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to understand more, like take a step back to really look at your life, right? Like, I mean, if, if people were to look at you right now I mean, just listening to your upcoming exciting projects, getting pitched, uh, pitching and getting your ideas picked up to go to Hollywood to develop series, those are big, big, massive achievements, right? Even getting it picked up, that it's already a big yeah. a- achievement on its own, right? Yeah. What were some of the challenges that, that, that you, 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 gone, you have gone through over the years to get to where you are today?
1: Wow. Okay. Um, I think, so it's, I've been counting and it's been like, right, six, almost seven years by end of this year that I've um, been in this industry and joined. My first was joining Miss Universe Malaysia. So that was like the first kind of like dip into the entertainment industry because I knew nothing about it. I was uh, studying and working in Vancouver and then I came back and I was like, yeah, I want to join. I actually came back to do startups. So I was actually doing a startup and I had a few offers to like continue doing startups. I think because I had this entrepreneurial kind of like um, method of working like that's just like how I enjoy working. Like I, I work based on, you know, kind of bursts of motivations and not like I structure that is my own. Like I don't need a nine to five. I don't need people telling me what to do. I kind of like do it myself. So, so I work better that way. And <clears throat> that's not to say, like, I mean, at the end of the day, I still need, like, the people around me are still really, really important on how I, like, where I need to go and, like, um, how to, how to, how, it shaped how, where I was going, you know? So that was really important as well. So I can't pinpoint the challenges. I feel like there were so many. <laughs> um, like, so, so, so many challenges. I mean, first of all, was the language barrier. Okay, the very first challenge I would say is just, I didn't know anything about the industry. Zero, like, zero knowledge. I'm like, what? What did I want to do? I just, singing, dancing, writing, these were all hobbies. So, like, they were actually things I thought I would do professionally. So, I was like, um, I had no clue what to do. Uh, so that's where I got the idea to join this Universe. Actually, my friend of mine submitted me to join because she was like, you can definitely win it. It'll be a great start to your career uh, since you want to go into entertainment um, and to sing or act or whatever. So just do it first. And then she just like submitted me and I just kind of got thrown into the water. And it was great. And I thought it was such an amazing experience. So that was the first challenge, not knowing what the heck was going on and just kind of like, just do it. just Just doing it and kind of like learning as you go. And then... The next challenge was like, okay, I'm Chinese, but I can't speak Chinese. And in the entertainment industry, language is one of the most important tools because you know what? You're communicating stuff. You're entertaining people, but you need to communicate with them to entertain them. And without language, you cannot communicate well. And so I'm like, I only know English. My Malay is terrible, but I mean, it. but I'm Chinese I should know Chinese right and I get a lot of hate for someone who looks Chinese and like you cannot speak Chinese I get that all the freaking time right like 10 years ago seven years ago when before I started learning Mandarin and so that was another barrier language barrier and then on top of all that then there was like Hoping for luck, um, hoping for things to get together, um, you know, meeting the right people, having to encounter a lot of really shitty people along the way. I hate to say that, but it's like, there were a lot of kind of like disgusting people that I would have met along the way. I went to China, I went to Hong Kong, and the rumors are true. So yes, it's true everywhere. It doesn't matter where, it's true everywhere, okay, to a certain extent. But the silver lining is you do meet people who are really great. And that's where you stick close to them. And that's why if you notice in movies, in series, in whatever productions you see, why do actors always keep working with the same actors or same directors again? It's because they found something good there. And they it's just hard to look for something that good. So you kind of wanna keep working with the same people again. So yeah, and I would say um yeah, the the challenges don't stop. It just keep coming. <laughs> but I guess that's what makes life exciting, right? Yeah. I mean
0: yeah. <laughs> I guess I mean that's that's life, right? If if there's no challenges that comes in, then there's nothing that you can work on and, and that will make life more exciting for you. Now, now those are ch- some of the challenges that you, that you face. And one of the things that I, I, I notice about you is that you know, you 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 were a national golfer in a sense, right? You, you train with the Malaysian team, but I yeah. think you, you kind of left it and then you went to study and you get into finance or, or, yeah. and then you become a corporate banker and then you left mm-hmm. that job and then came back and get into the whole entertainment industry. Like yeah. to make that switch, right? I mean, I mean, I used to be an athlete, not national level, but state level, but to make that switch, knowing that you, you, you are on a national level, you can represent the country. That, that decision mm-hmm. to quit, right, to do something else and then that decision to, I'm done with this corporate banking job, I want to move and do something else in entertainment, those switch are, are like big decisions. How did you yeah. decide to make that switch? What was your mindset at the back of your head at the time to make those switch?
1: So the first switch that I did was um, I obviously was in the national team because um, I was aiming to be, to turn professional, right? Eventually Um, my dad and I had multiple conversations since I was about 15 years old uh, of whether I was going to turn professional. And I always kind of like, yeah, I will. But I mean, you're talking about, a game or like craft gonna be 20 hours a week for the rest of your life, you got to love it. And I just didn't, I liked it, but I didn't love golf, I didn't love golf the way my dad loved golf. And I think that realization was kind of hard for him to hear but it was also hard for me to like tell him cuz i i knew i picked up golf because my dad loved it and i and i you know i was just seeking approval like a normal little girl would do um so i actually picked it up because i knew it would make him happy and i didn't realize how unhappy it was making me but then now it makes me happy like i like playing golf i just don't think i don't see myself playing it every single day so that's one thing i learned i learned that what you want to do Like in my head, if there was, because I did so many things. Like I was uh, a part-time waitress when I was also studying. And then after after that, I went into banking, right? So, but every time when I was doing my job, any job I do, I give it 110%. But I would be thinking in the back of my head, like, I can't do this forever. So there's always an expiry date. So when I was playing golf, I'd be like, oh my God, I can't do this forever. So I knew it wasn't for me. And then same goes to like when I was waitressing and it would be during the difficult times, you know, when you think this, like, oh my gosh, I hate my life. I hate my job. What am I doing? I'd be like cleaning the toilet or somebody's puke. And I'll just be like, why am I working this job? It's not like I'm poor, but like, yeah, I should. This is good for me. It's a humbling process. So, and then, same for banking it was like oh my gosh just counting money and just like signing off checks this is really freaking boring I'm like is this gonna be my life no right I can't be doing this every day day in day out It just it's like it's just not me so when I went to entertainment industry it was another like one of those test runs. I mean I'm glad I was still young when I was still trying to figure this out but then I got the opportunity to try it and It's interesting, seven years in, I've gone through so many challenges. you already probably seen some of them. Not a lot of people, only my very closest friends have seen the worst challenges I've ever been in, especially going to China. And um, like, even through those, yes, there were times I was like, I wanna give up, but I didn't wanna give up not because of the, I lost the love for it. I wanted to give up because it was so damn hard. So it was very different, there was not even a point where I was like, this is so hard. I just, I hate my job. I hate my life. I, why am I doing this? Not a single time that I questioned myself. Every time there was difficulties, I'd be like, yeah, well, it comes with it comes with the love for my job. So, and that's when I knew, okay, this, I think I'm going to be doing this for a very long time.
0: So, so what you're saying there is that, you know, when, when you're doing what you love, you also have to embrace the difficult part or the part where you actually don't like to do in order to be able to do what you love.
1: Yes, I, I think so. I think that I think that once you love something so much, the challenges come and it should be an expectation. Like, you should expect challenges. You can't think everything is nice and breezy. Also, it makes the rewards a lot better.
0: <laughs> mm. and, and, and then when you have managed to embrace that challenge then you can ask yourself like okay now that i've embraced this challenge can i see myself doing this for the rest of my life and if the answer is yes you know that you know what this is what i'm going to keep doing right that's how you kind of find that 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 passion to keep going uh, in the industry to keep doing what you're doing and ultimately bring you the biggest challenge i think uh, to china yeah Okay. Let's let's talk about that. Right. You mentioned (laughs) that experience in China being some of the biggest challenge and some of the darkest time for you. So, so I just want to let the, the, the the listener know it's that, you know, one thing that I learned about Natalia is that she couldn't speak Chinese, but she has this determination to want to go into the Chinese market to kind of challenge herself. So what she did was she learned Chinese from scratch she got herself to China for like nine months or 12 months or something like that. And then right now she, she launched an album and she can sing in Chinese. She can kind of speak in Chinese as well right now. Now, Natalia, tell us a bit of that process. How difficult was that for you and how did you overcome these challenges?
1: Okay. So I think a lot of people, a lot of my banana friends anyway, can really relate, um, when they all say like they want to learn Chinese and then they try and they they go for you know tuition classes or like you know all these additional classes their personal classes in Malaysia or Singapore um, I did all that so I went for tuition classes maybe once or twice a week and I tried picking it up. So I learned like, ni hao, ni hao ma, and all these kind of like very basic pinyin stuff. And it was really, really basic I think we did it for a few months. Miss Universe Malaysia um, organization sent me for, for Mandarin classes. That's when I first, first did my Mandarin classes. So, and I, I had a great teacher. Okay. It's nothing to do with her teacher. My teacher was amazing. Like I actually still talk to her today. Like I came back from China and I reconnected with her, continued my classes with her here just to brush shit up but let me tell you no matter how good the teacher is I am determined but I couldn't there was just no chance of me learning like I couldn't string a sentence together still I can't understand what the, the news people were talking on TV I cannot watch a, a Chinese TV show because I have no idea what the heck they're speaking um, so I was still nowhere close so I decided to um, during like I had a I think after my Fox Sports contract was up um, for hosting in Singapore, I was like, okay, I have a, I have a I have some time that I can take off. I don't know yet what I want to do. I wanna probably pursue singing. So I'm gonna pick up Mandarin and I'm gonna send myself to Taiwan first. So I sent myself to Taiwan for two months. That's a six week, six week course. And I just did Monday to Friday, five hours, four to five hours a day, um, Mandarin. Yeah, just for six weeks. So it's three weeks, break three weeks. So it was two months in total. Like I had a one week break in between to like just relax my brain. But Monday to Friday, yeah, four, five hours. So it was about like, uh, it it was a lot of hours. And, And then I picked up basic Mandarin. Okay, not enough for interview, not enough for acting, enough for singing, enough, (laughs) because you know, you kind of like, but even then my Mandarin was like, when I heard myself sing back then, so different from now, because you just, six, two months in a country, in a foreign country. It's just, it's not enough, not enough. So even for me, I felt like basic Mandarin was there. I could probably just order food, kind of get myself around town. Um, But then I went to China. So after Taiwan Sin. I came back and I was like, okay, me and my manager were like planning, let's go and produce my album. Um, I mean, we were already in the plannings before that. So we actually had a Chinese management contact in Shanghai, based in Shanghai, and they were going to fly me over to China. We do a collaboration. Um, We were going to produce my album and uh, do my recordings there and also train. Like because, as an artist, you need to train all sorts like you gotta train performance rap, I learn rap i don't know why dance, I learn like everything, and then also Mandarin. I had to brush up on my Mandarin right at that time, I could still like understand conversations, which is good, um, not everything very clearly, but I could understand conversations. But when I went to China for the first time with my six week of basic knowledge. I could not even get a SIM card. I could. It was difficult. I couldn't get a SIM card. I could. China is a different level. Like Taiwan, people still understand English kind of. Like you say, oh, oh, oh. I don't know where that. Ch-. Like, oh, do you have a chair? Or where's the toilet? Or like all these little things, you can still use English. Oh, what's the Wi-Fi password, for example? Like, oh, the Wi-Fi password, and they will still understand. When you're in China. They don't understand anything that's in English. What's a chair? They don't know what's a chair. And then I'm like, what's a chair? How do I say chair? And it was so, so hard. I to get my cable, my internet, my living conditions. My manager had to be there the whole way to 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 communicate everything for me. And if had she not been there, I just there was no way I was gonna survive. So that's how like, handicap I felt when I was in China. But in a span of, like, I would say eight months because the duration of time was ten months. But I had to reset my visa every time. So I was, like, flying in and out. And then I had work. I still had work in Singapore Malaysia. So I flew out almost every month. Um, I was traveling, like, crazy during that time. Um, I wasn't doing four to five hours anymore. I was doing maybe two hours. But every still every day uh, for for three months. And then the last... Till end, I was doing it just for like once, twice a week or so. So it wasn't like crazy pack compact because as you get better in Mandarin, you realize that you don't need as much classes anymore. But the foundation, you need so much uh, time commitment. You just need to like put in a lot of time learning the foundation. But once you get the foundation, it's like everything other than that is for me, why it took me years to get to my level now also is because I wasn't exposing myself enough to Mandarin or Chinese speaking media. And you need to do that. You need to love Chinese music. You need to find a love for drama and all these things. And I was like, I'm so ang mo, and I love all my ang mo dramas and everything. So I had to, rediscover a new love in order for me to improve my Mandarin. And that, that took some honing.
0: Well, were were there times when you feel like, you know what, screw this. I don't want to keep going. Were there times when there is this doubt or this fear or this negative talk at the back of of your head telling yourself or telling you that, you know what, what's, what's the point? Let's just not do it and go back and do whatever that you have been doing, you know, modeling, hosting, and, and you can make a living, right? Were there times mm-hmm. that that happened and how do you overcome that?
1: I think for, I think for me, there, there wasn't those times that crept up because I knew that learning Mandarin was such a good thing. Like, it's like, it's going to add so much value to my project. Like, I mean, to anything that I do in the future, so much value. It's like one of those things where like a degree would help you a lot. Or like, if you're in finance, you need to get your CFA. You know, it's like one of those things and you, without it, you're just going to be so handicapped. Nobody's going to look at you. Nobody's going to talk to you. Nobody's going to take you seriously. No one would think you you can speak Mandarin. And so I'm like, even now I still battle with that. They still think like when they hear me speak English, they're like, your English is so good. They just cannot accept that I can speak good Mandarin as well. So it's like, I still have to battle that. Um, But it's funny when I speak Mandarin and they never hear my English, they're like, they just think I'm a native speaker. So it's really wow. interesting. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, so it's impression. A lot of it is image and impression. But yeah, this one is like, you know, it goes beyond. This one is like, once it's, you're in the industry, it's different. If you're talking about just like business stuff, it, it, it's maybe less um, because accent is so important and everything. But like when it comes to business, it's more just communication. And when it comes to communication, you only need that basic. And you also only need to learn your trade. Like, if it's just finance stuff, you got to learn all your finance things and all your terms. But for me, it was just a general knowledge for me to be able to um, read scripts. My, my goal was to read scripts and to be able to sing Mandarin and read uh, lyrics and all that stuff. So So I reached my objectives. So I'm a little bit more lazier now, but I have grown a love for Chinese dramas and Chinese songs. So now in order to, like for me, I learn Mandarin songs to just like uh, improve my Mandarin. And let me tell you, all these little things add up to your your growth in the language. Mm. Anything you do, in fact, it's like anything you do in life, like if you want to be smarter about certain things, just read a book about it. You may think that it's not going to help, but all these little things you do, reading a book about it, watching some five-minute YouTube video about it, listening to podcasts like this, it's going to go into your brain, and it's going to change the way you look, look at things and your perspective on things. Similarly, when you're learning Mandarin, you don't realize that being immersed in the culture is going to help you. Every freaking day, you're like going out eating food, and you're doing this, doing that, and you're talking to these Mandarin-speaking people. You know, I'm scolding my Uber Shifu drivers every day because they're always going the wrong directions. And that's how I managed to get all my directions all in order. Because they're like, no, I'm like, no, zhuan, you, zhuan, you, yang, wang, you, zhuan. and I'm just like, no, no, no. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, Shifu, why is yeah. and I'll just be like going off all of my, on my shifu. And I really learned a lot of magic fast because I wanted to scold my Uber driver. So that was, that was a motivation. And yeah, and learning songs and like watching drama, you pick up so much. I mean, look at all the people who watch Korean dramas and can speak Korean. It's ridiculous.
0: Mm, I, I think what, what one, of some, one of the highlights of, of this, you know, your experience in China and, and you learning Chinese here here, the language itself, it's that if you want to do anything, you need to immerse yourself in it. And, and I think this is the same with, you know, young professionals out there who might coach and train and mentor. You know, a lot of people come and say that, you know, Cafe, I'm not sure what's my passion in life. I'm not sure if this is what I want to do in my life. I still need to find my passion. But the challenge with that is that they don't immerse themselves in one thing and to see if there's something that they like. At the end of the day, for you to be able to decide if this is what I want, just like you, right? Golfing, you immerse yourself in golfing for like years and then you tell yourself, you know what? I've done it for years and I know it's not what I like. So it's the same with a lot of other people right now. If you want to find your passion, you need to immerse yourself in it for at least a period of time to be able to say that, you know what? Now it's time to go. It's not what I want to continue doing, right? So that is one big, big uh, insights that we have gotten from this one. And I want to ask you a little bit about your experience in Miss Universe Malaysia. And I think you know, being the first runner-up of Miss Universe Malaysia 2013, it's probably one of your your catalysts of propelling you into the entertainment uh, industry. How? What was that learning experience for you in Miss Universe Malaysia? What do you learn from the, that?
1: So I think I learned. There were so many things that I learned from it because we did a reality TV series that was uh, filmed, you know, back in the day when social media wasn't a thing. So this was like, 2013 was when Facebook and Instagram just kind of like started. Instagram just started, literally. So we did have Instagram accounts, but we weren't um, told, we we were like, no phones, no social media, nothing. Everything was very hush-hush. So it was, it was the last batch of that era of, like, no social media, you know? Um, and so it was very interesting. I, I learned so much about dealing with people in general because we lived in a house with a bunch of girls and there was a lot of, like, very interesting personalities. And also, um, you learned so much about rejection about all these things, all these challenges within the industry in like six weeks. Like just six weeks, you learn all these political stuff that happens behind the scenes. Um, you know, there's a lot of very, a lot of talks, people gossip a lot, a lot of, um, you know, you, you you just kind of like learn how to navigate the waters in a really, really short period of time. And and then you also kind of, it, it's the one thing good I like about the limelight, I would say, it's like a mirror. It, it holds up your reflection and it shows you who you've been and who you are. And if you are a really, really not very nice person, it reflects very loudly. It's like it shines a spotlight on your reflection. So you get to see all these not so nice personalities. And then some really amazing personalities that really come out during this time. When you're like forced to go into the limelight, I think that's what it is. It's like a reflection of the person that you are. And you never realize it because you weren't even self-aware because not everybody is self-aware, right? And going into this industry caused me to be very self-aware. It made me look at myself, look in the mirror and see my reflection and like, oh, okay. And for me, I'm happy that, I think I feel proud of myself that I, I'm not that person. I think I I did quite okay. I think I'm normal. Like, I, I think I was just normal. I wasn't outstanding, but I also wasn't weird and strange and, you know, unlikable at least. And so I felt like, okay. And I'm not like, you know, I was always very, very careful about not being like fake and like, you know, suck up to people, but not to other people. I, I, I feel like those kind of things kind of waste your energy and waste a lot of time. And I always tell this to, like, anybody who wants to listen, basically, that there's no point of being nice to only selective people. Like, it is less energy to just be a nice person in general. Because then you don't have to be, like, extra nice to someone and then just be like, whatever, don't give a F about, like, the people who don't matter. You know what I mean? Because you never know who does not matter. You just never know. So my rule is just treat everybody nicely. It makes you a nicer person. It makes the world see you as a nicer person and you make other people happier. It's a win-win-win-win situation. So just be nice.
0: Wow, that's, that's, that's a really good way to put it, right? Like when you are nice to everyone, when you treat everyone the same, there's no need mm-hmm. to pretend and act in different groups. Right? It's, it just makes things easier for yourself, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. I, it really I, does.
0: I really like that. And and you talk a little bit about like being in Miss Universe Malaysia and being in the industry itself, entertainment, right? It's it's not an easy industry to be in. You know the the gossips, the politics, the constant. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes in all the you know whatever that in the inter- entertainment industry, and especially these days, everyone you know on Instagram, it's calling themselves KOLs or calling themselves influencers and so on. How do you keep up with the industry? How do you kind of like, you know, keep yourself going?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a really, really good question because I was just discussing this with one of my artist friends as well about how we're like, Oh man, You, you know, she was like, she was telling me about, man, it's so hard to stay relevant these days because like we don't have travels. Like, you know, especially travel influences, models, they don't have jobs right now. So what are they going to do? Like, So this is like, how are they going to create content that's going to be interesting when they don't have anything interesting that they're doing? Like their work was interesting, but now they don't have any work, right? So I, I, I was posed and I, it made me think a little bit and I was just like, I think that is true. And again, i was like thinking this pandemic has been pretty much a litmus test to, um, like, an influencer's personality. You know, other than it being like a litmus test for couples' relationships or political leadership, like you know, being able to see whether these political leaders are good leaders, for example, or all these kind of things. Like, this has also been a litmus test to an influencer's character, and because like you you start seeing their real and true personalities when they start turning out content that is just them, and then and then people get to really see who they are and that's when it could be great or it could be really annoying I don't know like you know everyone has a different opinion about all these things and my opinion is that comparison is a thief of joy don't compare yourself to other people just do your own thing and stay in your lane when you do something that you love it radiates and I think that people can tell. When you're passionate about something and when you love doing what you do, nobody can tell you anything that's going to throw you off your game because it doesn't matter. The sound, the noise doesn't matter anymore. So you just stay true to your objectives, to your goals, to what you love to do. If it sparks joy for you, just keep doing it. People who see it, they, they when they see you radiate, they're like happy for you because they're like, Oh she's not trying to impress anybody. she's not trying to like you know um, like trying hard too hard because she just loves what she does or he just loves what he does and so they just respect that and whether or not they like the content, somebody's gonna like the content. If your content goes out there, whatever the heck it is, there's gonna be an audience. it might not be a lot or it might be ridiculous amounts. you don't know. there is no formula to what makes a social media star there is zero formula have interview anybody on social media that are successful with millions of followers they had no idea how they got there like they're just i don't know i just did something and then it just became famous i did something viral and it's like i can tell you that right now because on my tiktok Douyin in china i've been on it for a few years now um and i had one video that got me all my fans today. One, I had one martial art video. It got about 8,000 views on Instagram. It got 8.8 million views on TikTok.
0: Wow. Like,
1: I just don't know. I posted it. It got 8.8 million views. All my other videos got hundreds and thousands of views after that. And I just got like 100,000 followers for no reason. Like just from that one video. So, I just, it's, I don't know why, but it's, I mean, like, I can understand why they find it impressive, but still, like, nobody on Instagram cared. It's just 8,000 views on Instagram. Like, they're just like, yeah, sure, cool. But still, so, can you see the difference? Like, you don't know. You can't. You can't tell. You have no idea. So just do what you love. Keep doing it. And if people don't like it, then I'm sorry. But um, if it makes you happy is the most important thing. I, I understand it's a bit of, a like, a you got to also do things people like, but also that you like. It's like a whole... That's the only thing I can advise because as an entertainer, you want to please people, but you don't want to please people until you lose yourself. So it comes hand in hand.
0: That's exactly the, the, the word that I have gotten from this, this pe- short period of time talking to you. It's that authenticity seems to be a, a very, it seems to be a strong value that you hold on to in that sense, right? Like for you, it would be like, you know, do what you love and be true to yourself and not lose yourself in the process of being, you know, the celebrity or being the influencers that you want to be. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Cool. Love it. Now, now one, another question I want to ask you is that, you know, in, in, in life redesign, in, in my coaching company, what I do, is, I help people to find clarity about about what they want to do in their life, having a vision that, 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 that helps them to stay focused what you said, right? Stay in your own lane, stay focused, do the work and get there. And I also help people to build confidence, the confidence to really, you know, don't care about what other people say and, and, and confident to keep going and pursue their goals. How how do you get so confident? It's, is that something that inherently you have or it's something that you, you kind of like practice and, and you build that confidence over time, especially in the entertainment industry, right? Where you can easily look at celebrities that it's super famous and you'll be like, oh, I'm just a tiny little celebrity in this entertainment industry. How can I get there? How do you build that confidence to like, you know what, this is what I want to do. I'm going to keep going.
1: Well, uh, yeah, this one's actually a really, really good question. Really difficult, really difficult question um, because building confidence is a tricky thing. Like it's, I think... I think I can say this comes down to self-awareness because, you know, there are some people who you're like, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing them to be more confident. And with their confidence, they can perform better. They can, you know, wow people, impress people and all these things. Right. But then there are those who are like super overconfident who just come off looking boastful and like. Like, do you even know what you're talking about? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people get turned off by overconfidence as well. So it's, like a, it's a fine line that you draw. And I think that in my case, I think I had some confidence going into it because I was always um, in the spotlight. Even in high school, I was oh, um, I was like Ragawati, uh, uh, athletic. To athlete of the year, I female athlete of, yeah. of, of the year, yeah, yeah, for like five years, like every year for for you know. So I, I was very athletic, and so obviously during the Sports Day when we're at the stadium, I'll be running, and everyone will know who I am. So I mean, like, I gained some confidence with um, being in the public eye already in high school. Um, so that's probably where I, I, I gained my first like little stint of confidence, but let me tell you, when you do anything new, you do lose confidence, especially when you get rejected, when you like, um, you know, you get criticism, all these things kind of like crush your confidence like crazy. And I know that firsthand, one thing that has helped me and my, and my confidence, uh, is actually my manager. She's like my number one fan. When you have people believing in you, like, close to you that you love, um, that's when it just, it means so much more than, you know, like, because she's, okay, it, it's a very interesting formula, because she's my manager, so she's not, like, my mother or my sister or my dad who love me unconditionally and everything I do is amazing, you know, or the opposite where like, everything you do is critical. Like, you're, you're not good enough singer. You're not, one or the other, right? It's always like two extremes. So you can't count on your family. Okay, don't listen to your family. They're great for support, but don't listen to them. Criticism wise, they're like, eh, not, not all. Maybe some have good head on your shoulders, but in general, <laughs> I would say. But my manager is professionally my mentor, right? And someone who gives me feedback for our own good. So you know the motivations for that? It's true. Like, She wants to make sure you're good because she needs to make money anyway. And you're the one that's going to make money for you, (laughs) for her. So the motivation is clear. She needs you to be good. She needs people to like you so you can trust her, right? If you're talking about your peers, your friends, your competitors, because your peers are technically your competitors sometimes, they might give you good criticism sometimes, but they might not. You don't know their motives. Sometimes they mean well, but sometimes they would have like some jealousy in them. You don't know if they really mean, mean well. You don't, you don't know. Sometimes they don't even know. They're like, just try and be nice or something like that, you know? So my manager was my number one, like, like just like my rock where she, when it's bad, she'll tell me it's bad. And, but otherwise she's like, always been very very supportive and when it's good she makes sure it's recognized that it's good she's like it's really good you must continue to do this like every time there's a good video i'll send it to our our work group chat and i just like oh i made this video and then she like oh my god post it on your instagram one okay i was like, i made this video for Yin, my, my china tiktok which i don't care what the heck i post i just post whatever because i have like a social media manager that posts for me and <laughs> so i just oh i i made this video here and then, so if it's like a so-so video, my manager just be like, it's okay. Like she won't say, I just need to be nice, right? If it's a great video, she'll be like, post it on your Instagram. <laughs> and then <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> so that's when I know it's good enough for Instagram. Like, cause Instagram has a bougie crowd, right? So we got a, we got a different, different kind of uh, crowd. So I think for me, it's identifying, um, when you're taking in criticism, you have to identify their motivation as well, understand why they're telling you what they're telling you, and so, like for example, don't get affected by people who comment on your Instagram or whatever, and like say really crappy things. You can read it and just be like, okay, if it's like, oh, your singing sucks, I'm like, ah. so it doesn't, it's not gonna help you if you just think that your singing sucks. Like they're never saying like, oh, maybe you should use a different key because it would suit your voice better in a uh, higher key. So I've gotten, I've gotten that last time, like when I first started singing, I have criticisms where I've got really, really nice viewers. I've never had anybody say my singing sucks, so I've been really, really blessed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, most of them would just be like, you sound better in the higher key. And then that is the kind of criticism you want to hear and absorb. Because you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, then you can improve yourself for the better. And don't take things too personally. And that would help just like not crush your confidence because it's so easy to crush your confidence with criticism.
0: Right. So what you're saying essentially is pick the right criticism. Pick the specific feedback that you can act upon or you can implement to make yourself better. And don't take it too personally. At the end of the day, whatever that people are talking about, it doesn't reflect upon your personality, it just reflects upon your skill. And the good thing yeah. is that skills, it's something that you can learn, you can train, you can improve, right? And that's, mm-hmm. I think, what, what, what it means to not, think, not take feedback or criticism personally. Do you, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree. You always put it very, very well. You summarize my points <laughs> real great. That's why you're the coach.
0: <laughs> that's why I'm the coach. Correct. Well, last question, Natalia, before we leave, you know, like right now, you know, we live in a world that's abundant. There's a lot of opportunities, in a in a way we live in the, in, in the best time possible, even with all this pandemic, right? Because the time that it takes to create a, vi- to, to create a vaccine for the virus right now is less than a year because of this pandemic. Right. And so, yes. so we're living in a, in a great time to be honest. So that also means that people and, and, people living in the world right now, we have abundance of opportunities, options, dreams, goals that we can pursue. What is your advice based on, you know, your own experience at pursuing your own dreams and your goals? What are your advice for for young professionals who wants to pursue their goals and their dreams?
1: I think my advice for them is to, first, as you said, I think the, the main theme of it is clarity, right? Like kind of clarify what it is that you want to do. Um, I think the main thing is like, okay, once you clarify what you want to do, and I get that that's a difficult process. Sometimes the most difficult process is to figure out what the heck you you want to do, right? Um, You have to understand yourself and understand your wants, your weaknesses, your everything all boils down to self-awareness. When you understand yourself, you your likes, your dislikes, you make better decisions moving forward. You're like, oh, I like chocolate. I'm going to buy chocolate cake. Makes me happy. And then I buy it, I eat it, I'm happy. So it's the same thing in a much bigger and more complicated scale uh, for your work because that's your life. And that's what in and out you're going to be doing. So same goes to your Love life as well. But I won't touch on that because, you know, my love life is a different story. Professional life I can't touch on. <laughs> so, yeah. I think clarity is really important. I think that um, once you determine what you want to do, you want to make sure you stay consistent with what you're doing. Because consistency is something uh, I find that will reward you in the future because if you're not consistent you will never ever know if the results you're getting is really from what you've been doing so you could it could just be like you're lucky or whatever but no consistency is the one thing that will get you there no matter what no matter what it will get you there if you keep doing it i guarantee it the problem that we have is that nobody's consistent enough to achieve those goals most of the time and a lot of times they're just yeah there's always excuses and stuff like that so consistency is number one um and what else I feel you know what this is the one thing one really really good advice that got me going and got me deciding to go into the industry I had a friend who I was talking to and this was when I was still doing startups uh, just after Vancouver and he was telling me what what do you want to do? What's your dream? Like, what, the, what is, like, the first thing that popped in your head when you're like, I want to do this one thing, and it doesn't matter how much it pays, it doesn't matter how much it pays, but it's the one thing that you love to do for the rest of your life, right? What's that one thing? And I was like, my first thing that came out my mouth was, like, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, first of all, because, like, I get it. Some people like, I want to be a guitar player. But then they don't even know how to play guitar. So, like, I want to be a rock star. But then maybe I change a little bit and be pop star. And then, you know, like, I I mean, I always, like, I want to be, like, an international actress in Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. Like, I want to be, like, a star. Like, that was just, like, in my head, like, oh, if I could not have to worry about money I think I would want to um when I thought about it more it was like I want to act that was like be an actress like an actor that was my second answer so it took some time for me to think about that but I think that that's a really good question to ask yourself and it could be anything like it could be like I want to be a marine biologist do it I want to be a whatever like something really weird also like a geologist like a historical person who go digs up stuff and learns about rocks I don't know something right like I think that whatever it is that you love to do and you want to discover you need to first put yourself out there to like kind of like understand the subject a little bit And then decide when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that comes into your head of what you want to do for the rest of your life. And if it's whatever it is, for me, it was, I would say producing content like films, like producing content can mean anything can be from writing, writing music can be so many things. Right. Um, So like YouTube content is one Uh, Instagram content is another nine gag Reddit. All these things are all content. Um, Even your podcast is one of them. And I am no stranger to deciding, I mean, like to, to all these ideas because a lot of friends were like, why don't you do a podcast? You you speak so well. I'm like, I don't think it's my calling. As you can see, I I jabber on and on. Uh, Whereas someone like you kind of takes the points that are smart and concise and get it into people's brains a lot faster. So I'm like, I know where I stand in podcast world, right? Um, I tell stories better when I can edit them, when I can create them into a way that I want people to view it. It's like a whole experience. And so because of that, I'm equipping myself with music. Like why I chose film and TV uh, that I really want to get into next is because I In film and TV, in producing film and TV, you need to know music, you need to know talents, you need to know casting, you need to know acting, you need to know directing, producing, writing, everything. Everything all comes together to produce an amazing content. Like you're talking about a TV show or a movie like Avengers where the music comes into play, the graphics, the acting, the script, all these, everything to create an amazing movie, right? And so that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to build myself to do. And that I feel like the tools that I've been working on, I mean, the, the stuff I've been working on for the past six years have built me to be able to equip myself to actually do it so sometimes a lot of things that you do kind of like you discover it along the way but if you don't start you're never going to discover it so you gotta expose yourself to the stuff that you think you might want to do and if really at one point at any point any point you just feel like no i i don't think so get out of it and do something else because it's okay to start over like everyone's always just trying to rediscover themselves so it's cool 100%.
0: 100%. And I think a quote would really summarize what you were just talking about, and that's progress over perfection. Most of the time, people okay. think that I need to get it perfect for me to start, but that's not the key. The key is to start and make progress along the way. And that's when you discover if you like something or you don't. And that's how yeah. you kind of rebuild and, re, and keep going and do whatever that you like to do, right? So for me, that, that kind of really encapsulates us a big message that all our listeners need to learn from your experience, which is progress, start doing it, progress, and don't think about perfection. Well, one last thing before we go, Natalia, if people want to follow you, want to check you out about what you do, you know, your videos or your songs and so on, what is the channel that they should go to?
1: Well, they want to follow me on Instagram. That's where I post most of my stuff. Um, That's Natalia underscore underscore Ung. That was the only label that, I, I mean, only tag that I could get. Everybody stole my name, but yes, that's how I underscore, underscore, um. um. And I have on my website, all my portfolio. I'm on YouTube as well, but I hardly post that. Only my covers and my music videos are on YouTube or longer form videos. Um, so mostly IGTV. Our IG, uh, Facebook. I'm also on Facebook as Natalia underscore underscore Um, I believe. Um, got a website, IMDb, TikTok, Douyin. Honestly, I'm on every platform. So just Google me up, and you'll be probably able to find part with Perfect. Natalia Um.
0: <laughs> Perfect. And if you want to get behind the scenes about what Natalia do, I think it's always on Instagram. Her Instagram story, it's yeah. amazing. She shares about her cooking, her personal life, things that she does on a daily basis. Now, thank you so much, Natalia, for being here with us. I think, you know, your life journey, being an actress, a singer, a model, and just being a nice person, it's, it's, it's something that a lot of us get to learn from. And I, I appreciate and really grateful for your one hour here today with us. And thank you so much for being here, Natalia.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. It was really great.
0: Thank you. <laughs> So for all of you who are listening right now, we would love to hear what you think of this episode. What's your biggest takeaway from this episode with Natalia? Leave your comments on Instagram at Coach Carfe or leave a review and share it with your community. Till then, friends, thank you for letting me walk with you on your journey towards success. I am Coach Carfe and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, if you like this episode of this interview, feel free to hit the subscribe button below so that you will be notified when we launch our new episodes. And just so you know, we have a lot more world-class speaker, uh, world-class sports world champion, and highly successful entrepreneurs who will be coming on our show to bring you, you know, their strategy, their life, and and share with you their wisdom of how they get to where they are today, so that you can shortcut your way and learn from them, so that you can achieve your success and your fulfillment that you want in your life. So hit the subscribe button and also follow me on Instagram, Coach Tarfay, so that you can see behind the scenes of what I do and how I help people to achieve happiness, fulfillment, joy in their work and in their life. I'll see you there.